2: Interchangeable. White
1: ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. What
0: does race, gender, and class have to do with seeing and being seen? Today's show is
1: sponsored by boot cuffs. They're not socks. They're not leg warmers. They're four inches long, and they cling to your calves, adorning white women everywhere. Boot cuffs. Hashtag boot socks. Hashtag boot toppers. Hashtag little boot peep.
0: Okay. So, we need to explain some things to you before we start our episode. Seeing and being seen came up in our pre-podcast conversations, right, Hope? Yep. Yep. Um, White people see and conceive of each other as the norm, which is a big part of white privilege. Very interesting. Um, The weird part is that people of color oftentimes see white as the norm, too. Hmm. It's uh, some food for thought. This extends to all aspects of seeing and being seen, like what we wear, how we do our makeup and our hair, or don't do either, how we talk and sound to others, the loudness or quietness of our personalities, all the things about who we are as people, right? Mm -hmm. So in the last episode, we talked about intersectionality, where the important stuff about your identities overlaps, right, like an intersection. And that's where some really interesting stuff happens when seeing and being seen. So you can occupy multiple spaces at once.
1: Yeah, we also talked about the privileges that happen in those intersections of space. So whether that's related to race or class or your job or income, uh, other symbols of status uh, and how that can give you certain privileges.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so we have some awesome guests today to help us unpack and talk about these things. And they are here in the studio with us. Hope, do you want to introduce our guests?
1: We are so excited to have two guests with us today. Our first guest is Bernadette Ray. She is a Tacoma personality. Uh, and she's also <laughs> a
2: person <laughs> in
1: education. Um, and so she's going to bring a lot of great insights today. Want to say hey,
2: Bernadette? Hello. Um, let's see. Do I Should I add some other things to my... Um Identification. Yeah. My tell intro, us about yeah, yourself. Tell us about yourself a little bit. Just a couple short things. Yes. Um, yes, I'm an educator. I'm an assistant principal, and I love, love, love it. I don't get a summer. Just saying, I'm on my lunch break, and thank you for offering up your lunch break. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Thank you. I mean, we don't really get lunch breaks, so this is the best lunch break ever. <laughs> and um, I identify as a woman of color, aka biracial, aka. African-American, a.k.a. black, and I get to choose which one I want on any given day. I just want to say that out loud. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks.
1: Uh, we also have with us Sonia Lund, who is a businesswoman from Yakima, Washington. She drove all the way out here in traffic to be with us today. Um, and she has a wonderful salon called Sale Salon, and you can follow the salon, and she'll give us a little bit of info about that. Sonia, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about
3: yourself. Um, Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 Hi, welcome. I am also biracial, um, half Korean, half white. Um, I look Latina, so sometimes I can identify there, too. So just kind of whatever the day is. Yeah. And whoever I'm with, pretty much, is, like, kind of what flow I go with. So. Do random people yeah. speak Spanish to you in Yakima? Everybody speaks Spanish That's to awesome. me in Africa. <laughs> that <is> Africa. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> in Yakima. Africa. Africa, too, actually. That was funny. Um, I love it. My you husband is, a, is yeah. a teacher. Okay. He's a very, very white teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, he is fluent in Spanish. I am not at all. Okay. And so I, it's always funny to watch, like, me being spoken to in Spanish and— I must have a very confused look on my face at the time and (laughs) my husband like answering for me, Mm -hmm. which is makes me feel kind of weird because I shouldn't have my husband answering for me. But I don't know what you're talking about. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like useful and annoying at the same time. Exactly. exactly.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, um, today awesome. we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things, but a couple of things just for the audience to know that are happening. Uh, we have in front of us a shame bell. So this bell, um, you might hear it, rung at various times. Give a little preview. Yeah. Uh, and if you are at all a Game of Thrones nerds or seen any of the memes online, you will hearken to the moment where shame was uttered at Cersei Lannister uh, and she yeah shame and so we're gonna shame about each other as things come up that are shameful so you might hear a little bit of that uh, just keep that in the back of your mind fact
0: um, uh, something else uh, we have a little disclaimer um, for our audience um, just to know that we have these incredible women as our guests we're not asking them to, and we should tell you we're not asking you to speak for your whole group like if you feel like there are groups you identify with that's not what we're asking you to do that is such a problematic thing that white women do they will sometimes say like hey you belong to a group that's not the same as mine why don't you speak for everybody so we're not doing that Thank you. Yeah. Or I college flashbacks. flashbacks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or white ladies <laughs> right. might be like, solve this problem. I don't understand how to be this thing. But uh, I could Google it, but I can't. Do some emotional labor
0: and educate me without being paid
3: about yeah. how things are bad. Um, <laughs> and also so, don't make me do math.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. Right. Yeah. No math. <laughs> Come on. Half Asian ladies. No. No, no math,
0: math for
1: no. you. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so those are disclaimers.
0: Yeah. Important to, um, to include. So. You described yourself a little bit. Is there anything about your else about your identities that you feel like you want to include as we're starting our conversation? Or you feel like you covered the important stuff for yourself?
2: Is anything? Well, it's interesting. We're talking about um, those assumptions that people make are fixing people's problems. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should note that I'm straight. And I try to be aware of if I'm being heteronormative or if I'm... I don't know. Maybe I should say that. Yeah. Um, because I... Um, I like to think of myself as uh, very aware and LGBTQ friendly, but sometimes, you know, I'm not. So sometimes I say stupid things. Mm-hmm. So I want to be aware of that. Yeah. I'll add that. Thanks. Awesome. No? Good. No, nice. mm-hmm. All right. Well,
1: no so. No <laughs> ma- nice one of things wet, no, I don't know why I threw that in. Oh, just because I just came back from Mexico. So that's my disclaimer. With Sonia, actually, we were there together. But nice. it was really fun. That is awesome. Um, yeah, lots of tanning. Uh, so, so another <laughs> news. So, uh, one of the things I wanted to kind of hear from you ladies is you grow up in, or you've been around Yakima and grew up in Tacoma, but you, neither of you were born there. Can you talk a little bit about like what that was like uh, transitioning from where you were born, now being in the city? Um, some early childhood experiences that kind of shaped who you were or are?
3: Okay, well, um, I was born in Korea. I don't remember it. I was mm-hmm. I moved to Yakima when I was two-ish. Um, moved to a very affluent, very white neighborhood, went to private school up through ninth grade, mm-hmm. and then to a very white high school um, after that. So I think for me... As a kid, like I always knew I was different. I looked different, but this is these are the people I'm around all the yeah. time. so why did you go to white high school or white school? was that just um was there you that was that was just so your you know, neighborhood know, school. that was that was yeah. just yeah. the better neighborhood that's yeah. just where yeah. my parents chose to buy their house mm-hmm. so
1: that's mm-hmm. do you think your parents um like were intentional about that choice or
3: well, I just think that it? you know I mean my dad's white, and yeah. so you know, yeah like. Most white people back in the '70s, they wanted to stay with other white people, so mm-hmm. I think that's you know that was pretty common. Motivating yeah. factor. Yeah, we see that happening. You know, in the other than marrying today. an Asian, but yeah, 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 That's a whole other. That's a whole other, other thing. thing. We can get into that later.
1: If
2: well, want. and that, that whole piece of if you can afford to buy in yep. the quote nice neighborhood end quote, you do. So exactly, I mean, that's probably. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there may be an element of it that of that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. How did you see, Sonia, how did you see yourself growing up? Did you see, did you feel like you were part of the group, like of your peers, or did you ever feel like you were on the outside, and what well, was that Well, I always
3: experience felt like? a little bit on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt like um, everybody who was always really pretty was always, they were always blonde, they were always mm-hmm. white, they were mm-hmm. always, you know, they were, so I was always kind of the outside. I always had a lot of friends, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, they were very different, and, and and I was treated differently by their parents, oh, so not by them, but their parents. Not by the, not not by them, because I don't yeah. think children are inherently, yeah, yeah, that way, you know. But the parents, I just knew that, like, like I, my best friend, you know, as a little kid in the neighborhood, I couldn't play in her room. Hmm. We had to play out. In the living room, where wow. mom could watch to make sure I didn't steal anything, and yeah. I and I was actually told that by my by friend my, oh, wow. by because friend. my friend's Life. like, well, my mom thinks she might steal something, you know, oh. which is kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. Well, that's weird. It's and, interesting too that like kids are so transparent
0: that right. the kid heard that like, and like right. zero filter was like, exactly. yeah, she just like straight up said you would steal something. So I don't know, right? That's what
3: mom thinks, like, until yeah. they met my parents what? and knew and realized that my mom is Asian.
0: Yeah. Oh.
3: And my dad is white. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Wow. Like, you know, we can play wherever. We can yeah. ride our bikes without them. And, you know, I mean, just... So there's, like, benevolent racism. Like, oh, you're right. the right kind of racial
1: mix, so therefore makes it okay. You're the right kind yeah. of racial yeah. mix. Yeah. yeah
3: so, which is totally messed up. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. I don't think when you're eight, seven yeah. or eight, you can, mm-hmm. like, say... You're racist. I don't think you can, I don't think you Mm -hmm. know what that feeling is. You know, I mean, you know, you feel weird and you feel uncomfortable, but you can't say this is racism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, interesting.
0: Hmm.
3: So, um, yeah, uh, Bernadette, uh,
0: same kind of question. Like, growing up, do you feel like, what was your kind of experience growing up? How did you see yourself? As a young person.
2: So it's interesting that we, we were chatting before, and we have so many parallels. So I, too, moved to Tacoma when I was two or three. And two. I was two. Um, I was born in Panama. My dad was in the Army. Um, we got here through Fort Lewis. And my parents always say that they stepped off the plane. They saw the mountains. They saw the water. They knew that they were 3,000 miles away from our massive extended family. Mm-hmm. They were like, boom. We're staying here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, too, from a very, very young age, was aware of being different. Um, I think Hope knows this, but in preschool yeah. during craft time. This story I, makes me, like, choke up every time I hear you talk about it. <laughs> um, I powdered myself white during craft time
3: oh.
2: and um, got sent home for the day. Not because I was in trouble, but because the very nice white ladies who ran the preschool were in tears. They didn't know what to do. Mm. They were like, oh, my God, this kid is three, four years old and already having this identity crisis, mm. or at least recognizing that she's different. Yeah. and I'm Trying to cover it up. Yeah. Or at least fit in. Right? So, fit well, and we were in university place. Yeah. So I was not only the only brown kid, I was the only non-blonde in oh. the class. Oh. Wow. And I don't know how that mix happened. It was a very nice Christian yeah. preschool. Sure, yeah. And um, <laughs> that's how that happened. That's how that <laughs> happened. <Yeah. laughs> so, <laughs>
1: hey, hey, Right here. Gonna yeah, right, right. Shame on that. Shame, Shame on that. On that. Shame. Shame on
2: that. So, uh, from a very young age, I was really aware. And then similarly, I went to, although I went to all public schools. Elementary was a good mix, and it was cool, but pretty white. Middle and high schools, mm-hmm. definitely high school and college for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So thinking about high school, I mean, we both work in education as high school teachers, so we're always trying to um, think of ways to better understand our students and the experience that they have, Um, knowing that not all these experiences are the same. But as Mm -hmm. you think about some of those uh, key things that happened to you in high school, uh, are any examples come out like that you think were really formative for you that were either positive or negative in terms of forming who you were as a teenager?
3: Well, teenage girls are, you know, like, it's a struggle <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Which a lot, yeah. Right. A lot of uh, but like I said, I went to an all, pretty much all white high school. I would say 98% of yeah. white mm-hmm. high school. And um, I just remember at 15, like, up until, you know, I was it was, it was, it was, what, 10th grade. So it was my first year there, first few months, everybody thought that I was a Latina. Um until they saw my mom, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, there's this feeling that you get that, um, like, you get these weird racist vibes because you're Hispanic, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But and, you're not. Hispanic. But you're not Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> but then, when they see your mom, yeah, then there's a totally different racism. Yeah, you know right, what it's I like mean? They just trade out one. It's like for trading the other, out one thing, and neither one of them are good. And I don't yeah. know which ones felt worse. Yeah, but. Um, there was a kid in my class, my Spanish class, Senora Wilson's class. She was awesome. Um, and he said to me, he said that I was so lucky that my gook mother was such a slut that I would, so I could be here. Wow. And I just Whoa. remember, like, up until that point, I was shy and quiet and like, okay. Didn't want to be noticed oh and didn't whatever. And I just remember, like, just spilling it, like, standing yeah. up, just letting it go. Yeah. And in, cl- in front of in, in the front class. In front of everybody in the class. In and Senora Wilson just sat at her desk and let it all happen. And it was a good 15, 20 minutes of of me yeah. just yelling. Yeah. And um, then we went to the principal's office. But um, You and the kid that oh, yeah. said the thing? Okay. Oh, yeah. What the principal say? Oh, remember he got suspended part? for okay. a week and— then, and at this point, I'm in tears because I'm a yeah. teenage girl and mm-hmm. it's emotional. that's yeah, it. And it's horrible. And it's horrible. Yeah. Um, but I think that that—I can remember that moment so very vividly as being a very defining point in my personality of who mm-hmm. I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like— um, it's like your racial coming out, right? Like now, <laughs> yeah, I, I am assertive, and yeah. I, you know, I will stand up for mm-hmm. myself. And when I see something is wrong, is wrong, I, I'm gonna call yeah. you out on it. Yep. And I think that up until that point, like I just wanted to blend in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to be a white kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that at that moment is when I decided, like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna see me for who I am, not, and and that's just way it is yeah so yeah wow. that's he said this out loud in front of the whole class oh yeah 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 i still like in my head can see his face as he's like saying, saying the words yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know I mm-hmm. mean, you can't forget a moment no like that. so know, like, very entitled true. and
0: privileged you are to like to get in someone's face and say something like that to them like what a, that's like how he felt like in that moment he was like, he's like, yeah, cool, it's fine, I can say these words to you. It's just like, whoa,
1: what? No. like, Did you ever talk to um, any of your other friends about it? I know you were involved in some sports.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, mean, I think that... Or is that more of one of those, like, internal... I think it was more of an internal thing. Also, too, all of my friends were white. Yeah. And as sympathetic as they were to, like, how that hurt me, I think they were more... um, just kind of like, well, he's just kind of an asshole, you know, mm. like, yeah, you know yeah. what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. writing off. Mm-hmm. So mm. it was definitely more internal than. Yeah. You know.
2: Wow. It's I'm really trying to find that. You know? I mean, that's. Wow. I'm trying to think, too. I'm I'm picturing the teacher. Right. Mm-hmm. She's. I mean, Lance. she's
3: to this day. I see her all the time. Right. <laughs> really? And she is
2: just cool as hell.
3: Like, she, I, yeah, awesome. <laughs> she's awesome. Probably my favorite teacher ever. that. Well, second it. favorite. She yeah.
2: just sat back and was like, she's going to handle this. Yeah. I don't have to say a word, yeah. and I'm going to give her that space.
1: Yeah, none of the awkward, like, oh, you need to control your emotions. I know, Close right?
2: You're
3: being and, like, very loud. You should right. go
1: outside and just take just a calm break.
0: Calm
2: down. Take Which five. Which is funny, okay, because up until
3: five. that moment, I have, was never loud. Nobody yeah. ever yeah. called me loud. Yeah. <laughs> and, nobody- <laughs> and that's probably why she didn't tell you to take five, because she's like, wow.
0: Yeah, like, it's probably, it's still like incredible experience to see you, like, defend yourself. Right. And, you know, so
3: what, yeah. how much of your personality is, like, today is defined yeah. by mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. short, very, yes. very short mm-hmm. stories in your book of mm-hmm. life, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, how much of your personality is? Well, and I'm completely fascinated by
2: this hierarchy of racism right. that you've experienced because mm-hmm. you, you know, look like this but actually are this or identify as this. And um, that whole... Like, well, Asian half Asian's better than Latina kind of thing. That's that's powerful that you've experienced that your entire lifetime. My
3: entire lifetime, yeah. yeah. Wow. It hasn't stopped. I mean, you're... No, it's never going to living. stop. Yeah, no, right. No.
2: Yeah.
3: I think that's the thing,
1: uh, speaking for all white people, I think that's a, <laughs> the problem that a lot of white people have is that uh, they think or they believe that it's going to stop or that it has stopped. Mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of um, talk around like, oh, I can't believe these things are happening in 2017. And I've definitely been, um, like, I've been guilty of that too. But generally, I'm like, holy crap, how is this still happening in 2017 is kind of my framework, but it comes out in the, like, how is this happening? But most of the time that is from that ignorant place of like, they people have never experienced it. They don't talk in personal right. relationship with people of color that it's like, it's a constant. It, it hasn't changed.
3: No. And I'm not, and I am not surprised at it. it yes. No. Like, yeah. Yep. Of course it's still happening. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think the best example of that recently, I saw someone on social media it was a white woman say that she just didn't understand what a microaggression was and why, oh. why people were so upset about microaggressions. What is that? Like, or she just didn't get it. And I'm like, that's because you've never
1: experienced microaggression. So you wouldn't understand what that was like. Which I'm starting to just call uh, with a group of friends. I know Bernadette and some of the folks, like, they're just aggressions. I don't yeah. know. Like, most of the time, they're not micro. They're not it's micro. Just, <laughs> it's not a small aggression. Are you no. ranking your aggression? You're, like, weighing them out? Like, this yeah. is a little one. This is a big one.
0: I think that microaggression, it's just that commonly accepted, like, phraseology. But they're not micro. Yeah.
2: Here, we'll yeah. give it a bell.
1: There you uh, go. Shame
0: on micro. Shame <laughs> on, on
1: aggressions of all sizes.
2: <laughs> yes on all the aggressions. <laughs> uh, Bernadette, did you think of an example from your high school experience? That... Well, I mean, God, I mean that example is. But I, I just, I'm I'm very aware of working very hard in high school, mm-hmm. so that I was an equivalent, not only I think by my peers or by my teachers, but that I considered myself to be an equivalent student, participant, athlete, whatever. So I was just, I was a super joiner, Mm -hmm. and I was involved in everything, and I think so much of that was to be seen. Yeah. Um, What are some of the things you joined to to fill that space? Um, What didn't you join, maybe? Let me clear my throat. Um, (laughs) So I was um, freshman year vice president, sophomore year vice president, junior class president, Uh student body president, captain of the swim team, Captain of the basketball team, um, student representative on the Tacoma Human Rights Commission. Dang, okay. Dang. Um, oh. I was.
1: Were you like a straight A student? Confirmed.
2: Too? <laughs> no, yeah. so that's where oh, that's where it slacked off, right? So I was not a straight A student, and I was denied access into AP English my senior year. What? Um, I know this. I was, well, because at this one high school in Tacoma that's on the water, they said that um, <laughs> be a hotel. you had to have a um, recommendation from a teacher to be an AP. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'd go to honors.
1: Which so, is still a thing,
2: by the way, in lots yeah. of schools across the country in yeah. Washington State.
1: Yeah, which is total BS. So it's such gatekeeping because it's like, oh, you're going to pick the best kid or the mm-hmm. one that you think's
2: the model minority kid oh, that's yeah. going to be in your
1: class and not give you a hard time. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And granted, I wasn't. I mean, I I remember being distinctly aware of, like, junior year, my mom read Macbeth to me. Hmm. And I would take notes and try to, like, visualize because I was not the best reader. Maybe I didn't belong in AP English, but I wanted to do all of that. Um, So just being that super joiner and wanting to feel uh, like I was good enough, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Well,
3: I took the opposite. Really? Yeah. I was just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing shit unless I really want to. <laughs> that was my brother. <laughs> and that was my brother too. <laughs> unless my parents forced me to do something, I wouldn't do. I wasn't going to do it. Not at all. Oh. That work out for you. Um, I was angry. Yeah. I was really, really angry, and I was uh, like hateful, mm. uh, really hateful as a teenager. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I probably should have done more stuff. My mom, my parents made me do some sports and piano and and youth group until my uh, youth group leader's wife said something, you know said something to me that pissed me off or something. I don't know. And I was done with that. (laughs) Well, and that's
2: ultimately, that's what helped. That's why I decided to become an educator because I had my experience, but my brother was very much like you. He was like, Oh, you think I'm a dummy? I'll show you dummy. You know, you think I'm whatever you think I'm a gang member? I'll show you. And, um, so like be I the best, but kind of in the, yeah, yeah. So I saw school through these two different sets of eyes yep. because we are very close, but we are very different. Right, mm-hmm. and that's part of what made me want to be a teacher. Is I felt like I could understand students who were coming from a variety of perspectives even though I didn't get my brother I was like but you shouldn't do that's not the way you should <laughs>
3: play the, the game it's <laughs> not though i mean i was a good student beca- well i have an asian mother come on so, <laughs> <laughs> i was a good student but that's that's about it i mean mm. there was nothing if you there, i was just yeah, yeah. i wasn't going to do i wasn't going to do anything to make you like me yeah. you know yeah or see you me like me or mm-hmm. not. this yeah. is like, mm-hmm.
1: do you feel like um either of you your parents or your families um like, helped you process through this stuff or, like, talk to you about it? Like, did they even acknowledge anything's things were happening?
2: What was that like? <laughs> we had, like, lessons at home. I mean, yeah. we, like, we um, we watched Roots as a family mm-hmm. and had wow. conversations about slavery and the layers of, you know, my parents didn't say, these are the layers of racism that have positioned you where you are today. Yeah, they're not. But, that kind of but that's, what, that's what we did, yeah. really. And then we had drills. Your for, parents'
1: stories, by the way, are amazing how they met, too. I don't know if you want to. Like, give a snippet of that. Like, <laughs> so,
2: they're awesome. My parents are so funny. Sometimes I'm like, how are you still married? You guys, <laughs> like, want to punch each other in the face most days. But they're, like,
1: opposites, but it's so beautiful.
2: They're so opposite. So my dad was my mom's boss. Um, uh, but it was at—so my mom was 16, and she was in her very first job as, like, a nurse's aide as she was preparing for nurse's school. And my dad was, like, the— department leader or whatever he was in charge of nurses and orderlies and so my mom told my dad that she was 18 and my dad (laughs) told my mom that he was 22 but she was 16 and he was 26 and um they and they didn't date until much later but he would ask her out all the time she'd be like no Nah,
1: and this was pre nah. like online stuff, right? So it's not even like they're you oh know, yeah, like this lying on their Tinder profile. No, this right. was
2: I'm I was born in seventy six, so they got married in seventy two, so this was nineteen seventy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on the east in New York, in Westchester County, in Port Chester. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, so they basically got married. So they family eventually there. got married. Well, first when my mom was like eighteen, when they were like, okay, we're dating. Um, and then my mom got kicked out of her house. Like literally Mm -hmm. my grandpa put his foot in her ass and was like, get out of my house. And she moved in with my grandma, my great grandma. And, um, (laughs) then when my grandpa died of his fifth heart attack at age 48, he was an angry dude. Um, then my, my grandma was like, you're welcome back in my home when your dad's in the ground. And so, my dad has always had a good relationship with my grandmother, my mom's mom, Mm -hmm. but not as good as the grandma who took her in. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They were buddies. And then, you know, my dad went to the Army so that my mom could go to nursing school. And they're still together. Wow. Somehow. Do you know how many years they've been together? Yeah. 46. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's nuts.
0: Wow. Stood the test of
2: time. Super yeah. nuts.
1: And th- it's interesting to think about, too, like through all the lots of different things that have happened in society mm-hmm. and moving across mm-hmm. the country and just the shifting that happens in interracial marriage
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: craziness. So they had lessons for you, for you all, all, all the kids?
2: Yeah, we. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, like lessons on race, the whole roots thing. I mean, I, looking back now. So that was after. That was elementary school. We were young. Mm-hmm. But it was after I had powdered myself white in preschool. Mm-hmm. So they are already kind of prepped, like, we need to do some work mm, right. with this. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, so after that happened in preschool, we moved out of university place and we moved to Central Tacoma in the home where they still live. Mm. And so it was just a more diverse area, different school district. Um, and so they're still there. We joined a super hippie, awesome Catholic church, <laughs> everybody who knows St. Leo's. Um shout out. And my dad <laughs> converted and that was a like cool Jesuits kind of thing. And so that was a very welcoming, inclusive place. And then they just, you know, started they just got into a groove. Yeah. They got into a groove for sure.
1: That's such an amazing story. That is. Sonia had your had your parents.
3: Had um, my, to be <laughs> well. My dad was in the navy, yeah. and my mom was in Korea, and that's a whole nother story, yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah. and they. Uh, my dad passed away a few years ago, mm. but they were still together. So, yeah.
1: you know. so did they um, like? Have, did you have any of these kind of conversations at home? So, or?
3: growing up, my mom was just my mom was trying to raise four kids yeah. mm. and trying to learn English mm-hmm. and. um just try to keep, trying to keep us to just keep it together. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't think they were equipped yeah. to even handle what the backlash of having biracial children mm-hmm. would even be. Yeah. You know, I just think they were in love and
1: yeah. that was it. That was, and that was enough in some
3: ways. And right? that was enough. Yeah. I think that's, you know, like yeah. they just to, I think to them that they thought that that would be that should be enough. But yeah. I just they weren't equipped. Yeah. So
1: do you think your Do you two have brothers,
3: right? I do. I have three younger brothers. Oh I so. have two younger brothers.
1: Yeah. Do you think they experience have you talked with them about like some of the same experiences having grown up um, in Yakima? Well it's it is different? yes.
3: And it is kind of funny because we all look alike when yeah. we're together, but mm. separately. We all look a different race. Right? Like, I look Latina. Okay, yeah. My brother Joe looks very Asian. Yeah. My brother Josh looks Native American. I mean, he's, oh, like, very, like Sue, like, Sue, the tall, you know, like. Yeah. Hmm. And then my younger brother looks Greek. Interesting. But then you put us, the problem. four of us together, yeah. and we do look very you look much. look like a matching set. Uh, yeah, we look like together. a matching yeah. set when we're together. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Separately, it's yeah. not so much. Wow. Yeah. So what kind of, I mean, what kind of experience have they had, like, in terms of? You know,
3: I. it's like, um. I remember, like, my brother Joe, we all played soccer, and um, I remember my brother Joe telling me once, like, the team that they played against was, like, an Mm all-Hispanic team, and they would um, do the, like, the... (laughs) the the chink guy thing oh to, to him all the time, yeah. and he's just like, look, we're both brown, we should yeah. it's, it's us against them. You should yeah. be like, you know, <laughs> solidarity, right? And I just I just remember him telling me that story, just thinking like, yeah, you know. But I think that um, I think that first of all, and this may be a generalization, yeah. but boys and men mm-hmm. do not have any of the same pressures mm-hmm. or experiences that girls and women do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a totally different level. I don't think that that boy in my 10th grade class would have had the guts to say something like yeah. that if I was a boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. So. mm mm-hmm.
1: There well are con- in ways are conditioned differently, right? Right they're, It's okay. We were joking earlier about being loud. Like it's okay to be loud as like boys are never told, be quiet Right. Yeah. To, you know, right. maybe like stop wiggling, but it's not, the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same kind of thing. um, and that that inconsistency,
2: I mean, it really yeah. shapes.
0: yeah, absolutely. but so,
2: but at the same time, I think they have a different set of issues, you know, I mean, I don't get stopped by the police all the time. That's true. My That's true. Yeah. Do.
1: Different yeah. issues. That's, yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, and I've been trying to, um, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of, and,
1: like, these things happened, and these other things happened, mm-hmm. and it's not just like an either or, like, whose right. oppression's worse than somebody right. else yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right? But what are we talking about in this case, and how, and how to compartmentalize it, I guess, to be to be more understanding and as I'm talking about certain things.
0: Yeah. Kind of like intersectionality. Hey. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, s- go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, um, m- maybe we can talk about um, kind this idea of being um, visible or invisible. So do you think that like, um, in terms of, well, we talked about privilege and how like white beauty standards are privileged as like the norm. So do you, how what kind of impact do you think that has on your life as women of color?
2: <laughs> That's a really big I, question. It's, it's a huge <laughs> question. And you know, my answer is that I think that the white standard of beauty is the biggest impact on my life, hmm. actually, um, because I absolutely subscribe to it, even though I try to fight the power and I try to think. But them eyelashes, girl.
0: <laughs> you can't see the eyelashes over the podcast. But they are, Her are fantastic.
2: They're so pretty. I pay very good money for them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, but honestly, I, because I grew up with a white mother yeah. who's mm-hmm. petite mm-hmm. Um, with pretty green eyes, um, I very much subscribed to that and I think always thought that that's kind of what I was supposed to be and in that was mm-hmm. unable to appreciate my own beauty, mm-hmm. um, my exterior beauty. I do think I've always appreciated my inner beauty. Yeah, But um, it's, a, it's a serious thing. And I actually have come to this realization recently trying to figure out. And now that I'm 40, it's like, Bernadette, what is it with the white boys? Like, let's figure this out. <laughs> right? Let's. Why? Why? <laughs> and not only white, but tall and blonde. You have a type. With a strong jawline. Yeah. And a prominent nose. What is this <laughs> about? And I figured it out that I absolutely am seeking out. What I think that I am supposed to look like oh, because mm-hmm. I've always subscribed to that white standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. So, this damn, you know, J. Crew catalog, some yeah. dude in New Hampshire is yeah. like <laughs> waiting for me. Yeah. And um, his, it's, to, his top siders on right, a sailboat. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. okay. yeah, right yeah, And it's, I think it's gross. Like, I'm going to ring yeah. the bell on myself. <laughs> but, at least now, I think I'm figuring out where it comes from. But yeah. it's taken yeah. me
3: 40 years—just oh. 40 years of better cognitive thinking. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, yeah." And that has been my type my entire life. See, <laughs> my entire life,
1: yes. So where yep. do you? So do you feel like it comes from the similar place? I or think it, it comes place? from a very
3: similar place, yeah. a very a, an exact place. But then I like, it's like not to go to a dark place, but like you know, like you see these. The pictures of, like, a a woman of color holding her child, like, saying don't shoot, you know, stuff like that. Like, I am—and this is shame on me for this, but I am so very grateful that my children are white. They're Mm. white, white. Like. So you have three boys. I have three boys. All three of them are— Light-haired, light-eyed, mm-hmm. light—you know—they mm-hmm. tan good though. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, it's like I have this like sigh of relief yeah. every time I read a newspaper yeah. story or or see the news, and I think like my first thought is, my boys mm-hmm. are white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll be. Okay. And it's so sad. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I I have this this dichotomous, I I always although this was my ideal this weird this white man I always wanted black children like black as night oh, dark mm. children and it was the mama bear in me wanting to raise and protect um, and I uh, that that was important to me Yeah. so I you know again just yeah. setting myself up for these contradictions well Bernadette <laughs> that's not gonna yeah. work out so I don't know how you're gonna well, do that
1: well I appreciate you you both sharing and like we've shared on the show like there are so many contradictions that exist I think yeah. it's we just have to be acknowledging them and then like mm-hmm. be okay with I guess the muddiness of it mm-hmm. like as you were talking I was thinking about um, having grown up in Asia Like, I am much bigger than all the Asian women Mm -hmm. that I ever grew up around. And it's not the same. I'm not going to compare that Mm -hmm, and be mm -hmm. that um, full of myself. But I just was thinking about that, like, when I started to develop as a tween, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, 11 years old. That's not, like, the time when people develop as women in Mm -hmm. in the Philippines where I was growing up. And just, like, how that shaped body issues Mm -hmm. I had or have and deal with. Mm -hmm. And um, it's messed up. Like, I, I think this is, like we mentioned, issues that women have constantly over time mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. whatever standard that's out there and then, like, not fitting that standard. Because we know those standards are such crap, right? right. And they're created right. to sell products and all that stuff. Yeah. But it's really hard when you, like, know that you shouldn't fit that standard. Yeah. But then you're like, well, you know, like, I want to look good. I feel good in this. You know, like, it's fine. And and, yeah. and wrestling with, like, is it for me? Is it for somebody else? Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. So then I wrestle with the fact that I own a salon. Yes, like, I'm I am of. selling this idea, right? mm -hmm. Like, I am such a hypocrite, you know? (laughs) Like, I am selling this idea of you need to have long eyelashes, and you need to have highlights, and you need to... I am selling this whole mm -hmm. standard of beauty that I am, like, protesting against. And, I mean, even myself, like... Like I, I'm not gonna leave the house without mascara on. Like, like that's not happening. <laughs> that's why I got the lashes. You look good. So, You're good. Only so, I mean, it's a, it's an internal. It's that internal yeah. like fight. Like mm-hmm. what yeah. like what your belief system is versus the industry that you're exactly. in and what you're good at too yeah. you know? exactly so how do you feel um,
1: like those things manifest like in the work with your clients like what do you see in yeah, them your clients in, like, like it, who's your you clientele okay so
3: i would say that 95% of my clientele are white women yeah. and um, and they're all beautiful and they all look different and they're all you know i mean there's they all have a story and i love their stories and that's what keeps us together right yeah. like mm-hmm. um and they're all different ages, and they're all different sizes, and they're all, you know, I, and I think that I was meant to do that job, yeah. you know, like I was meant to do that job because I I love to hear everybody's story, mm-hmm. you know, and just even though like say my white client, her story is so different than mine, yeah. mm-hmm. there are some parts of it could be the same, and that's what makes us, and that's what makes us friends, and yeah. that's what mm-hmm. you know, that's what makes us enemies sometimes, and. I mean, I just think that that's how you interact with people and mm-hmm. and finding that's really
0: powerful. It's just like I mean, working with the public, you work with the public, right. Bernadette, you work with the public. Mm-hmm. Like it's and it's a different um, kind of interaction. But when you are um, when you are understanding coming at a, from a position of trying to understand people's experiences, right, yeah. that it's um, that's so powerful.
1: So, do you ever, um, like, counsel people not to get certain, like, dues or <laughs> certain, like, change their shade or whatever? Like, because you, not because you're just trying to sell them stuff, but also because you're like, embrace this. Um,
3: yeah. You know, like I really I don't want to reveal
1: your secrets, but okay.
3: <laughs> I really struggled um, when the Brazilian blowout. I was going to say, up. what about
2: Brazilian blowout? I'll I really, really
3: struggled it. because they're really expensive. So that means you know you can make you explain it a lot for people of money. that are listening. Okay, so Brazilian blowout is a way that is. So very um, <laughs> for women who have women or men mm-hmm. who have um, natural texture to their hair to be able to, and it doesn't completely remove the text their hair mm-hmm. texture, but it just makes it so that you can. Flat iron it or blow dry it straight mm. quickly. Okay. Um, and I had, and I love doing them because I think some of my clients definitely need them because they have the kind of a frizzier texture, you know, mm. versus a good curl. But um, some of the clients, I, I, some of my clients who came to me when they first came out, it was, it was, um, it was a straw. It was really was a struggle because like, just, girl, your curls your are cute. Like, yeah. like I wish I had them, yeah. you know? And, and you could tell it was a reaction. And to like it was a reaction. Trying that. to fit in. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I could just see that, like, this is the newest thing. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. the, everybody wanted to do it. And um, I, I do them. But, you know, like I said, it's yeah. I, mm-hmm. It's not something I'm going to suggest to somebody who really doesn't.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I know we've talked a lot about hair, Bernadette, in the past. I don't know if you mm-hmm. feel like recapping any of
2: no, just so I was. Your <laughs> just, journey with it. It's that so funny that when you asked that question, I was like, talk about the Brazilian blowout. Because <laughs> I, I started relaxing my hair when I was eight. I begged my mom to put lye on my scalp. Oh
3: my yeah. God. And Poison. Um,
2: I also cut my hair. I had really, really long hair. I kept it in braids when I was little. Mm-hmm. And I begged her to cut it and relax it when I was in second grade. And she did, reluctantly. And so then then began this whole culture of the salon and mm-hmm. maintaining it and spending all the money
3: on mm-hmm. it. Um, How often do
1: you get your hair relaxed if you're, re- if you're a person that relaxes?
3: When it depends on what kind of relaxer it is. Like okay. um, mm-hmm. if it's a lie relaxer, then it's as it grows out. So like mm-hmm. every four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. yeah, if it's a Brazilian blowout, it's every three to four months. So Can you drop
1: some prices, like what does that go for?
3: Just um, so, so people so have a sense of, I think a sense like of things. Out. Like I said, most of my clients are white, so I don't do a lot of live live relaxers. But when I do, they're at least one hundred and twenty five bucks. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. A Brazilian blowout's two seventy five. So what? these are, I mean, these wow. are okay. high ticket items. That's a lot mm. of time in salon it's, chair. That's a
2: lot is. of yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you really you have
3: to be educated to do these things yeah. because you could yeah. really really screw someone up. Okay. So
2: well, and I don't know if um, folks listening, um, what's Chris Rock's movie about the creamy crack about yeah. relaxers? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Ah, I forgot what it's called. But anyway, he has an entire movie about relaxers. And um, that I relaxed my hair until I was 30-ish. And I stopped when I realized that I was putting lie on my scalp. And I had sores after every time Mm -hmm. I got my hair done. And so um, that's when I embraced my curls. And it's only in the last couple of years that now... Um, when I go and get my hair cut because it's short now, um, I don't ask her to blow it out mm-hmm. and straighten it and sweep the side, um, yeah. because I'm I'm but I'm actively fighting against yeah. that standard mm-hmm. because I would still much rather have long straight hair. I think I look better with long mm-hmm. straight hair, but I just choose not to. It's so, it's, you guys, it's so much work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is so expensive and it takes so right. much time. And if it's,
3: and if you do, um, if your hair does break from mm-hmm. live, which yeah. it's going to, mm-hmm. then then you're looking into extensions. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother crazy, like, Yeah,
0: yeah. Because high quality Tons. extensions are so, so expensive. So expensive. Human hair
3: extensions are yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have this goal of getting
2: more of my students, my black students who are girls, to cut their hair and go natural. Do the little fro. (laughs) I know it's not my business at all. But I went to volleyball practice today and I'm just like, girl, just cut, just resist, just cut it. You'll feel so much better. You're an athlete. How do you maintain that? Oh, yeah, that's hard, too. Yeah. It's disgusting. You're like, should I wrap <laughs> it up tonight or should I really should wash it? Because I sweat like a <laughs> bitch today, but um, I don't to. It's gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, that actually reminds me, so you brought up students there, which reminds me, I've been seeing a lot more um, articles about young women of color who are being uh, targeted at schools and not allowed yeah. to wear natural hair. We read,
0: we read a few articles about that really recently yeah. that were like, especially with going back to school, there are girls who are being told you cannot wear your hair.
1: Oh, it locked
3: or... Yeah. yeah. Um, in braids. Yep. And the <laughs> most recent
1: one I'll, I'll um, link to in the show notes, but... Um, they she was wearing like a small natural fro and they were like you need to do something with your hair you need to fix your hair fix it yeah right like that it wasn't done the or wasn't fixed administration told her to fix it yeah, yeah. and the fact i keep thinking about the fact that like since we're seeing some of these articles how many stories aren't mm-hmm. even being publicized right, right? Mm-hmm. how yeah, many students right. boys and girls of color that are being targeted with this and yeah. it's just a f- and there's a
0: parent guardian or teacher or someone who who brought that to the attention of the media and we're like, hey, this is wrong, but, like, how many times has that happened and nothing is, nothing happens, like, or nothing's
1: said about it. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that trend that's kind of happening with school, but I I find myself as a teacher, too, just being like, okay, kid, whatever you're you're trying, like, whatever you're experimenting in when it comes to your hair, your products, sometimes I'm Mm -hmm. like, that, that shading, I don't know what's going yeah. on with your contouring of your bones. Like, I had a couple <laughs> girls last year that were so cute. They they were, um, uh, it was like a biracial little group. So they all kind of represented different um, white and non white uh, communities. And they all were using the same powder, though, I think they were sharing, you know. But oh, then yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's not, but I'm, I'm just, you go, you know, you just. <laughs> Be You'll figure it, out. figure it out, teenage you're girls. T- are, t- t- or, greatest, just don't okay. share yeah.
0: mascara
3: once, because oh, pink eye. sanitary. Yeah. But
1: I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about that? I know you're raising boys, so maybe you don't have to face some of those same things. Yeah, but you I do don't have really. Young clients.
3: Uh, I do have young clients, and um, just do what makes you happy. Yeah. like do what makes you. As long as you don't have lice, I don't care about right hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I really don't. Like if you. If you want me to, I've been doing a lot of mermaid hair like the oh. last year. Isn't that called the name I can't pronounce? But it was ours. Balayage. Uh, no, mermaid hair is like when it's or like mermaid or unicorn hair where or it's multiple like multiple colors, like pink and oh. purple and blue. And and yeah, I've seen and that recently. You know, yeah. and it's like such a pain in the ass to do. There's certain hair there certain but, hair
0: terminology that <laughs> Hope and I have been talking about lately because last episode we referenced the balayage. Yeah, which yes, I know balayage. you ranted about. I don't know if you want to describe
1: that too. Yeah, yeah.
0: that was hot for a while on Pinterest. That, yeah,
3: that's actually um, that's that's like the transition from the ombre mm-hmm. and then it turns into the balayage mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> and i think most people don't even know what it is when they ask for it yeah. so they just read it somewhere. they just read it like somewhere or they saw a girl on pinterest that said that she had balayage hair and what so what <laughs> is it again just- it's just hand painted that's it hand- painted oh, highlights, highlights. Oh, oh, I know okay. what it is so it's like so <laughs> I've got a ball who doesn't get my hair that used to be an ombre you know oh, you know what I'm saying man. like yeah. yeah right so that's that's all it is. It's, I would say it's that my all hair it is. was an
0: attempted balayage because I went to the Jean Juarez Academy. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you did it yourself. No, no if no, I did it I myself, went to the Jean Juarez Academy. Yeah, um, and I so. love Jean Juarez Academy. Yes, um, it was this, the the girl who was working on my hair was amazing, and she, it was her first time doing a balayage, and she was like, "I think I can do it." I was like, "I trust you." So <laughs> it worked out. I think it worked out. It huh. doesn't look terrible. So she was she was really cool. So but,
3: yeah. <laughs> I like it. I love the camera. But, I mean, that's yeah. the thing with the balayage, is yeah. that it never looks bad. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't look bad, yeah, because no. it's just, like, just random hand-painted streaks here yeah. and there, wherever mm-hmm. you feel like yeah, you need very, a little lightness. Very creative.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so, like when you're painting, you just, like, throw splatters, and you're like, yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> it's art. It's art. It's art. <laughs> it's, art. it's so <laughs> artistic. But yeah. it's not. It's so artistic. Mm.
3: Interesting. I shouldn't say that it always looks good, because I'm sure it doesn't always there's look gotta good. There's got to be right. times when it it's doesn't. There's got
0: to be times when it doesn't. there's yeah, yeah. There's one other we I we had talked about asking about um th- because there is obviously with like the the beauty norms and standards, there's this like baggage, right? um does some of that come from is some of it because of objectification or like um like dudes looking at women's bodies and being like like objectifying them like Doesn't you it think always come from objectification? Okay. Right. so maybe it was a rhetorical question but like it's like that like because i think also about like the people who i know who are not traditionally feminine looking who are really beautiful so i'm like i wonder if it's like like what um i don't know when does that become a i don't know what is that do you how do you see that it, like being an issue with beauty standards fashion standards like like the male perspective
2: like the on, male gaze yeah male gaze or objectification as
0: a whole. Yeah, or like and just objectifying ourselves even. Like
2: Well, I, I just know. I mean it's funny. I don't I don't feel like I've been objectified since I was twelve. Mm. Really. I mean I um I have been five ten since I was in eighth grade. And so I was an early developer and I feel like getting cat called or having some guy pull up and slow down his car, you know, when I'm walking down the street, that hasn't really happened to me mm. since I was a Preteen,
3: mm-hmm. um, gross. Um, gross, by the way. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. disgusting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I certainly looked older, but um, I I remember being very aware of that, and that was some of our lessons in the house that mm-hmm. mom and dad and I would mm-hmm. talk about. Um, actually, maybe this this weird dude last summer maybe was trying to talk to me walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. But more than anything now, I just feel completely invisible to men. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one hundred percent invisible.
3: But I think that times have changed though. Like men don't men don't call you on the street anymore. They they Facebook stalk you, or, yeah. Yeah, or so it's a modern
1: version of that, yeah. right?
3: Or like all of a sudden you have a random person I mean, following on Instagram, and yeah. you know, I, I don't think it's it's yeah. a different kind of yeah. objectification. I think yeah. than, that's interesting. Than I know also, like, when I was 30, 30
0: pounds heavier, people like, like, people just didn't look at me. Like, mm-hmm. I felt when I was 30, I, I felt invisible, like, and I don't know, like, what if that has to do with fatness or if it has to do with like i'm not even really sure
2: i think it's both i mean i think it's so for me i think it's compounded yeah <laughs> yeah because i'm a large woman but i'm also a woman of color so that's an intersection Intersectionality. Theme, right like there's multiple things yeah. That, yeah Intersectional i mean when i was 70 pounds lighter i definitely got more attention mm-hmm. Interesting. but um but i don't know I, I think some of it too has to do with age okay. mm. and i think it uh, uh, absolutely has to do with where we live Mm-hmm. you know what do you mean by that if we lived in louisiana i'd be good yeah but um we don't we live in the pacific northwest yeah.
3: where everybody hikes and yes and yeah. eye. yes, yes. becky with the
2: good hair Shattagone, right, yeah. right. Uh-huh. Rank out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um but i but at the same time i think about my students mm-hmm. and how you know so like i have to do these investigations and go in and look at their social media pages it's terrifying oh, yeah. um, and so i think about how some of my students of all colors shapes and sizes are objectified but in those cases i th- i think it's because they're young yeah mm. um and so it's, it's just terrifying i mean
3: mm-hmm. but as a, okay so as a, a young teenage girl yeah. right mm-hmm. Are you just trying to be seen when you're mm-hmm. putting that stuff mm-hmm. out there? Are you mm-hmm. trying to be seen? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you already naturally have this feeling of, like, n- unimportance, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, yep. as a teenage girl, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, I feel like that's—how do you address that? Like, Because right. <laughs> you want to be noticed, and even negative
1: attention is still attention. right? Uh-huh. And then, I mean, negative is relative, like, how are you defining negative? Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But well, that's a really good point. You, you just want to be— Visible. You just want to be visible, yeah. mm-hmm. and so when I'm talking to my students about it, you know, I talk about it from a safety perspective. That's like good. I have this one kiddo who has a ridiculous number of followers, like mm-hmm. tens of thousands of wow. followers. What? Um, because she does makeup, and oh, okay. you know, she's oh, okay. like yeah. she uses it as a platform. Yeah. Okay. But she's also not naked in her pictures, and but she's she is an absolutely beautiful girl, mm-hmm. and so she's objectified but for her it's a business mm-hmm. and she's a smart yeah. savvy kid and so um
1: and it's on her own terms it sounds like
2: it's absolutely yeah. on her own terms so
1: yeah. i wonder if that's that's a big fact factor because i think a lot of this is about power right power right. dynamics mm-hmm. and who has power and who doesn't mm-hmm. but if you feel like you have a sense of power then is that more fine mm-hmm. i don't know
0: yeah wow that actually... It's just about, scary. Yeah. It's all right. scary. We're talking yeah, about scary, power yeah. and being seen... I'm super glad I don't seen. have a teenage daughter. I'm also <laughs> really glad. a daughter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about being seen and like systems of power, we could transition to pop critical theory. Yeah, let's do it real quick. Yeah, yeah. real quick? Okay. So this segment is called Pop Critical Theory. Uh, today's pop critical theory is the metaphor of the panopticon. Panopticon. You looked at it for your homework, so you should know kind of what it looks like. Uh, it was originally conceived by this uh, white dude... Jeremy Bentham and his brother and they basically it's a prison uh, where it's kind of shaped like a donut so the donut hole is actually a guard tower and the prisoners are in the dough and the, there are really bright lights on the guard tower pointing towards the prisoners and they're behind windows or bars um, and basically the the lights shine on the prisoners so they can be they can be seen but they can't see out it's not a tasty pastry
1: yeah,
0: different kind of donut. Different kind of donut. Um, so prisoners are always going to act like they're being watched and won't deviate from expected behavior even if they're not being watched. They'll always think they are because they have a light shining. They can't see out. Does that kind of make sense? Okay. Okay. Um, they'll comply with orders and keep their noses clean because they don't know when they're being watched. It could be any time. Okay. So tracking, another white dude, mm-hmm. Michael Foucault, jumped all over it and he wrote a book called Discipline and Punishment and he basically used it as a metaphor for not only the disciplinary and surveillance state, but as a metaphor for how society quietly or loudly, depending on the offense, punishes deviant behavior. Okay. Right? So if you're always being watched, you won't deviate from the norm. That's kind of the idea. Um, you have an invisible audience and a visible audience that keeps you in check. So the important critique that comes up is, it's really levied against oppressive or unequitable social norms. Like who sets the rules? Who enforces? Like who's in the guard tower, Right. Who's in the middle
1: saying that, like, this is what your behavior should be? So, like, in the student that Bernadette brought up, like, the society has said, like, girls can't put themselves out there and girls should act in this kind of way. Is that the idea? The guard? Yeah. And that girl is, in some ways, responding and saying. So
0: her deviant behavior would be, I'm going to... um, Take control of that. Take control over my own kind of uh, autonomy, right, and do this, what Bernadette described as, like, like what she thinks as her business, right, of, like... um, you know, presenting herself to the world, right? Okay. So that would be considered deviant behavior. Deviant mm, behavior is when you, like, de- violate a norm,
1: basically. Yeah, we use that, like, kind of yeah. negative. Right, but I think that is not- the
3: norm now, though. To deviate? Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That is the norm. <laughs> well, I still think there is still deviant
0: behavior, though, that makes people, make people raise their eyebrows. Like, oh, you're not doing the thing you should be doing.
1: So what do you mean by you think deviant behavior is the norm now? Yeah.
3: Well, I just, like, specifically that yeah. um, Bernadette's example, like, Every girl has an Instagram is doing this like on Instagram and has a million followers. That's mm-hmm. that's every girl's dream right yeah. there. Like that's mm-hmm. what they do, make so tutorials, the, did, blah blah blah. When
0: does a deviant behavior become normative? So like if everybody's doing it is it deviant anymore?
3: Probably not. I just not, don't right? think that I would ever think that would be deviant behavior. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. You know. So, yeah.
0: okay.
3: You know, like peeking in people's windows, that's that's deviant. Yeah, that's, <laughs> deviant behavior. Okay. that's deviant. Like, is that <laughs> ever going to become the norm?
0: <laughs> that's yeah. never no. going to become the yeah. norm. I wonder how many degrees like like what How intense does a deviance have to be for it to be considered deviance? Because if you are like... Just going against what society expects of you, it can still be deviance. It's just not as intense as being, like, a creepy,
3: peeping Tom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, too, like, we're in a society, but there's also all these different sub-societies. Yes. So, yeah. like, which society yeah. are we talking about? You yeah. know, like, well, what's people, like, normal in this absolutely. subculture is going to be totally different. Yeah, than, absolutely. You know? Well, like, you're talking about East Coast. Certain things right. are, right. like, not in Louisiana. Thank you, right? We're in talking yeah. in the context yeah. of, like, who sets
0: beauty norms, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you're violating um, the norms of, like, beauty or... Um, um, I don't even like um fashion or um, size right like if you're violating those things um, who sets the rules like who sets the standard and we talk I guess we talked about earlier about like um, um white beauty standards right If that's the standard do you deviate from it right
3: but I think in the I want to say like in the like late 90s or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. they did deviate from that yeah. Um, with the with J lo and oh, yeah. with yeah. I mean yeah. like they de- they yeah. they really went hard. Mm-hmm. Um so who do you think has uh kind of resisted that and then
1: maybe more is more accepted now or is like leading the way in in those things? I mean Jlo lo is a, a pretty decent example, I think. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um I, but I think it started with Selena. Like oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Everything like I think it started Selena. Everybody, everything <laughs> comes back to Selena. I think it really <laughs> <Nice. You> agreed <laughs> agreed. <laughs> You know, I mean, she RP. was this beautiful, young mm-hmm. Latina, and yeah. um, she sang, she was wonderful, and everybody knew her songs. Yeah. And, and I think that, like, I think that's where it started, really, was, mm-hmm. like, oh, she's incredible, and she yeah. looks kind of like me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, but on the flip side of that, though, I mean, I feel like we
2: really need to talk about Gwyneth. Okay, go. Um Paltrow, you're talking about... I'm talking about Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm. And I... You know, I have... I haven't followed a lot. Like, there... Apparently, there's this whole language around Gwyneth Paltrow and... ...things that she creates, uh, and I don't really know it. I know that when Gwyneth Paltrow married Chris Martin, lead singer of Coldplay, I was really pissed. And the reason that I was pissed is because I thought... Chris Martin was like this cool dude in this band. He was a Brit, which makes him a little bit different. And he completely, one hundred percent, married the establishment. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I was actually yeah. angry about it. Yeah. I was mad about you're it. Like, yeah. How about you try something different? Yeah, and you know, Gwyneth, you're fine. I've liked a couple of your movies, whatever. But while I do absolutely subscribe to the white standard of beauty, you're doing too much. Mm. Yeah, like you and all your preach it paleo cookbooks <laughs> or whatever it is you do and Goop. all the is ways it, it's not our website it's, called Goop yeah, Goop yeah yes. Goop all the ways to yeah. not eat real food but yeah. stay alive <laughs> and all the ways I mean I can't I'm really shame, shame on yeah right she now. she is shame the ultimate for me yeah. yeah and I'm just not here for it
0: yeah and I'm really glad you. I'm really glad you said that because it's kind of like kind of if you think about like the, um, the Panopticon is like if you're the idea is like if Gwyneth Paltrow is trying to put that, like, her idea of, like, what um, beauty is or, like, what being natural is or what being, like, being Gwyneth is, right? Yeah. That that is um, trying to project that onto um, the culture around her, but, like, you're not buying it. Like, and you shouldn't buy it because it's, Nobody it's should buy it's white it. Nonsense. Stop buying right. it. Everybody right. should just it's yeah. stop buying what it. What we would call caucasity.
1: Ooh,
2: no. caucasity. Ooh. Exactly. I like that. It's like
0: audacity but Caucasian.
2: So
1: speaking of caucasity... <laughs> Speaking of uh yeah. we want to shift a little bit to a segment called Timeless or Terrible that celebrates mocks and ridicules Um But before this we do so that, if anybody <laughs> you're wants to connect it's with you fun. on social media or check out the salon, yeah, where do how find can you? they find you? Oh, gosh. That's so funny. Don't find you. That's, oh what that's fine, too.
3: Um, Let's see. I'm not, like, I should be better at social media. I'm but your not. salon's on. Salon's on Facebook. Sales yep. Salon. It's, okay. it's there. S A O L S A O L in Yakima. Awesome. Um, good. Very good. Cool. Yeah, we're just moving into a new location in the next couple weeks, Sweet. so that's that'll exciting. be awesome. and better.
2: Um, I'm just I'm just Bernadette Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I'm learning how to be a little. I mean, Twitter. I really just retweet stuff. But I'm just Bernadette Ray. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank
1: you, ladies. Um, So let's go into timeless or terrible. Interchangeable. White ladies. So we're going to pull out some items that celebrate caucasity, and we're going to decide, do you think this thing is timeless, or do you think it's terrible, and a little bit of the reasoning. So, Annie, go ahead and Let me grab the bell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to be ready with the bell. (laughs) Timeless or terrible. The IKEA furniture valet.
2: There's a valet? I what?
0: didn't
1: even know that exactly. At
0: Ikea? Yeah. I feel
2: like that's a great thing.
0: Okay. I'll, can, I t- can I explain what it is? Please. do okay, Because okay. okay. yeah. I don't <laughs> know whether it's timeless or terrible. Yeah. Okay. While Ikea was under construction in the Seattle Ikea, which is actually in Tukwila. Don't get it twisted. Um, <laughs> that's the, true. They, you had to park far away and then take like a shuttle to the <laughs> Ikea while they are real- so rebuilding ridiculous. the parking lot, right? And... Um, you could have your furniture held at the valet and then you could bring your car around and pick it up.
3: Fat Sonia says timeless.
1: (laughs) Timeless? Is
2: is that consensus? It's pretty... I mean, it's useful, but I feel like it's also terrible. I don't know. I mean, I, I... I take field trips to Ikea. I think it's fun. I love Sweden. I've been to Sweden. So I'm... I support IKEA. I didn't. I never knew there was a, yeah. a valet. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with timeless because apparently it's an option. Yeah. Yeah. But not. It's not really out there because I yeah. didn't know about it.
1: Now you do. Timeless. All right. Let's do one more. Uh, timeless or terrible? Mm-hmm. Minimalism on Pinterest. So you can comment on Pinterest if you'd like itself or yeah. just this idea of minimalism. Is it timeless or is it terrible?
3: Okay,
2: what? I think it's timeless. Timeless. Ew. Say more.
3: Okay.
2: Um, <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> okay, so the idea of... Min- so, okay... Pinterest is created to find things, access things, Pinterest but is also terrible. really to make things beautiful, <laughs> right? So
1: and, terrible. <laughs> and terrible. to make you feel like you need to do a lot in your spare right. time that you don't have time to do. So
3: right. to okay. a lot of and corks. to make you think that you're actually more crafty than you actually. are. Yeah. Okay. So okay. okay. like a lot of corks. Am I going to make a board, or am I just going to
2: have a lot of corks around my house? <laughs> exactly. If Pinterest story. is terrible in general, then I guess minimalism on Pinterest is terrible. But I'm I'm all about. Trying to be more minimal minimalist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So minimalist in well, minimalism general.
0: Minimalism as an as a idea is cool. Yes. yes. But the um, projection of I'm a minimalist, this is how you do minimalism, look how pretty it is on Pinterest is not cool.
3: I hate Pinterest. <laughs> and the reason I do is because every client comes in with the same picture oh. from Pinterest, oh. Pinterest their, of the yeah. girl oh, with the long, want. flowy, ombre yeah. slash balayage hair with this the leggings and yeah. the tall boots <laughs> and the, <laughs> the, boot cuffs. Cuffs. the boot cuffs. We'll shame it.
2: <laughs> we'll shame it. Boot cuffs. Terrible. I really want
1: to do one more. I know we're <laughs> like running on time here. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. in <laughs> the <Thanks>, Doug. <laughs>
0: but uh, one more. Oh, okay. Timeless or terrible, the idea of bottomless...
3: Mimosas. That's timeless. That is timeless. (laughs) Here's the thing, however, a lot of women unless you get sloppy, right? And I feel like a lot
1: of women are like, "Oh my gosh." Men too, but I'm, I'll talk about women since we're women here. But I feel like a lot of women are like, oh, the I'm gonna go to brunch and I'm gonna have a bottomless mimosa, and then they get there and then something inside their heads like competing, and they're like, ooh, how many calories is this orange juice and <laughs> champagne? And then like I gotta go pick up the kids, so I'm only gonna drink like one and a half. And then I'm like, why'd you yeah. get bottomless? You should just gotten yeah. one mimosa.
3: Yeah. No? I think the idea of a bottomless mimosa is um is timeless. It's timeless. I
0: also think a bottomless thing is the American way. It's like a buffet. Ooh, that's agreed. True.
3: Agreed. Bertanette. You can
0: have it forever. And ever and ever. That's the idea. Until they run out of champagne.
3: Um,
1: or you get cut off.
0: I mean, I do love off at the- brunching. I'm
2: going to go timeless. Okay. I mean, we got to have something. Shit. Shit. I think I am converted with your arguments okay. about
1: timelessness of mimosas. Thank I'll you. I'll take it. Yeah. So our last segment is called, wrap up, is called Do Your Fudging Homework. Do Your Fudging Homework. Interchangeable. white right, ladies. So this is basically a bit where we say, hey, here's some things that you should read, go see, go buy some products. Uh, Learn how to be a dash less basic slash expand your worldview. So I'm going to start, and I would like to recommend – I feel like a lot of people already know this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I'm going to recommend the podcast Two Dope Queens. Um, And I know we've kind of ripped off, like, the bye at the end that they do. But these women are amazing. They're both um, young African-American women, and they talk about all the things. And they're both comedians and writers, and they write books and do movies and – They're amazing. Phoebe Robinson and Jessica Williams. Um, Jessica Williams has a new show on Netflix called Jessica James, Mm if I remember correctly, and it's so good. Um, And they're hilarious. I just, they challenge me to think about things in a different way all the time. I love them. Yeah.
0: I love Uh, that. Um, I'm gonna recommend you go Google image search Robert K. Mur- it's another white guy. Sorry, Robert K. Merton's <laughs> Deviance Typology. Then this go down the sociology of deviant behavior rabbit hole on Wikipedia. Because um, as Sonia pointed out, there's like there's so much more to say about deviance, and like yeah, I, I want to spend more time talking about it, but I won't spend the whole show. Na- I promise okay. next time talking about deviance. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, spend a little time thinking about your own deviance. Hashtag winky face.
1: <laughs> All right, <laughs> ladies,
2: any homework for? Um, yeah, mine's quick because I, I know. I think Sonia has a big assignment. So mine, <laughs> mine is to, in an uncreepy way, hmm. give a compliment, a <laughs> genuine compliment to a woman of color. Oh. Not like, oh, can cool. I touch your hair? Oh. Your curls are, are so interesting. But just like, you know what? Eyelashes on fleek or whatever. Right. Yeah. A genuine compliment. To a woman of color. And as a white person who's going to try to do your homework,
1: um, I shouldn't say things like, oh, as a, a black woman, you have really great eyelashes.
2: Mm. No, right. quali- no qualifiers. No qualifiers. I yeah. should just, For a black woman, <laughs> yes, you're really
3: pretty. Leave out those adjectives. <laughs> out and yeah. Just yeah. like. No qualifiers. Yeah. Just like, I love your hair. Yeah. Great. That's cool. it. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Well, um, I am not a teacher or an educator, so I do not believe in homework. <laughs> Um, Some of us don't either. (laughs) If if I was to say, I would say go read uh, Girl in Translation by Jean Kwok. It's about a Chinese immigrant and uh, her daughter and learn something. Awesome. Thanks so much, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network.
1: Subscribe to the other podcasts, Nerd Farmer, Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma, and Flounder's B-Team. Bye! Bye. Class dismissed. Interchangeable
0: White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska! Alaska. Book your
3: next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.